Hello, hello. Welcome back to Peak Northwest, an outdoors and travel podcast by the Oregonian and Oregon Live, dedicated to the adventure and exploration of our beautiful Pacific Northwest. I'm Jamie Hale. And I'm Vicki Connor. Together, we take you to some of the most beautiful and interesting destinations in our region, discussing where to go, what to do, and places to see. And today, we are taking you out to Hood River to potentially check out 27 different places, all included in something called the Fruit Loop. Yeah, that's right, Vicki. We headed out to the Hood River Fruit Loop for our most recent Peak Northwest video shoot. And if you haven't heard of the Fruit Loop, we're not talking about like the the cereal, right? <laughs> um, this is this is a 35 miles of road route just south of Hood River. It takes you through really a couple dozen of orchards, farm stands, wineries, breweries, bakeries, fields of flowers pumpkin patches. Uh, I mean, really, you name it. Uh, all kinds of beautiful and wonderful stuff there in the Fertile Hood River Valley. Yeah, there is a lot there. And when we were kind of going through the planning process of this video shoot, we had to choose what to visit, make an itinerary. And um, the way we went about it, we kind of wanted to get a little bit of everything because there are so many options. So the way that we chose, we wanted to obviously do some you pick, which it means going through the orchard and going to the different trees and bushes and picking your own bounty, your own harvest of whatever um, is in harvest at the time. So we wanted that. Also wanted to get some flowers, some lavender, wanted to make some bakery stops, and obviously get some lunch in the mix too. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, it's really an all-day experience. I mean, you could go and stop off at one or two places, and that could be fine. Or you could go and try to get a little bit of everything, like Vicky, like you said, like we tried to do. Um, mm-hmm. That really interested me of seeing all the Fruit Loop has to offer, or at least a, a variety of things the Fruit Loop has to offer. Um, I was particularly interested in doing a U-Pick because I had never done like a, a U-Pick apple farm experience before, um, which I know when we, we spoke to one of the owners of one of the farms, she was like, really? You never picked apples before? <laughs> um, the opportunity never came up. And I think there's something about the Fruit Loop that for me, and I've, I've spoken to some other people who have had this similar feeling, it, it seems sort of overwhelming. Uh, how do you manage it? How do you approach something that is so big and has so many options? I think, Vicki, the way that, that you were when you were organizing this trip was really smart of just picking out uh, a few um, to focus on. And I think there's something, too, about uh, sort of allowing your, your curiosity to drive you as well. So, I mean, if you're driving and maybe you have a couple spots, maybe you leave some time open to just see a place, pull over, check it out. I think that's a fun way to go about it, too. Exactly. It has the feel of going on a little adventure road trip. You're getting in the car. You kind of don't really Mm -hmm. know what to expect unless you at one of your first stops, you grab one of the maps or you see online they have a map and it takes you through each of the 27 different places. But if you're going into it blind, you know, you're just kind of driving through um, and (laughs) each of the farms, the orchards, the bakeries have a sign out front that tells you what number stop it is on the loop the way that they have it mapped out. Um, so you can definitely do it that way and just have a little surprise as you're driving. Yeah, either way it is a nice way to approach it. 
But for today's episode, we're going to talk about how we approached it and give a little rundown of what our day in the Fruit Loop looked like. So, Vicky, why don't we start off with our first stop of the day after going through Hood River, getting some coffee in the morning, driving south on Highway 35. We ended up at the Gorge White House. Yes, the Gorge White House. Um, it is super close to Hood River, and it's one of the first stops. Let me look up what number stop it is on the map here. It is stop number two if you're going in order. Um, so it was like less than a 10-minute drive from uh, like downtown Hood River. Um, and when you get there, you pull in. Um, there is this historic building, a.k.a the Gorge White House. Um, and then there are fields of you pick options. And we were kind of surprised by some of the offerings just because there was a late snow. And so we got to pick some awesome strawberries. Mm-hmm. This is for some context. We went on the first day of fall, September 22nd. So yes. I was not expecting like to pick strawberries. Uh, no, but we no. found out there was like, a whole second flush of strawberries on this farm. So we were here in, you know, the end of September picking strawberries, you know, from the bushes and eating them right there. Uh, it, it was a really cool experience. And of course, they also had, um, as you said, Vicky, um, orchards of apples and pears that were coming into season. Um, there were some late season flowers still there that you could do a you pick. Um, mm -hmm. They do other stuff at other times of season as well. I really like the Gorge White House just, just for so many options it had. They make their own cider there. So we got a the little sample of cider. It was a little too early in the day to drink too much cider, but <laughs> we had to sample what they had. And uh, it was all really good. Um, this is a yeah. cool spot. I, I, I love the feeling of just going into this farm and just like walking around and picking stuff off of trees. Um, there's something about that that was like really cool. And I felt like I could just spend all day just wandering and like finding a pear and going, oh, that looks like a nice pear and plucking it off the tree and putting it in my bucket. Uh, yeah. That's just a, such a cool experience, you know? Yeah. And so we got to walk around a little bit. They had a really nice selection of sunflowers growing. That was also you pick. Um, so basically you can like grab a bucket, fill up on what you want, and then you pay um, according to whatever fruit and by pound. And um, in addition to the cider flights that they have offered, they also have a tiny little cafe. It's almost like a food cart. Um, and they use the the produce that is in season and have a menu that is, I mean, I thought it was pretty wide variety of items. They had anything from flatbreads to burgers to a pear quesadilla. So um, you can Oof. stop by there and get lunch. Yeah. It was a little too up. early in the day. For, <laughs> <laughs> it was a little too early in the day for us to get lunch, but it, everything sounded really tasty. I feel like if I'm going to get food made on the Fruit Loop, I want it to be made with some produce that they grow on these farms. Because why not? You're right there. You got to do it. So the, the Gorge White House, great stop. Really interesting spot. If you're there, you can talk to, no joke, the Kennedy family who owns the Gorge White House. Um, <laughs> a very, very interesting place. Yes, for sure. And if you're looking to just make one stop and you're just staying in Hood River, Gorge White House is super close and very accessible. 
Of course, we were not looking to make one stop. We were hoping to move on and see some more stuff. So we went on to our second stop of the day, which was at a really cool spot called Hood River Lavender Farms. And this is a, as the name suggests, a farm that grows lavender. And uh, again, this is a place where I thought late in the season, it's not really prime lavender time. I'm not sure what we're going to get. So we'll just roll up and see. And Vicky, I was pleasantly surprised. I was too. I think this might have been my favorite stop. I know it's only the second stop we're talking about, but <laughs> uh, I loved it. Also, I'm a sucker for lavender and oh yeah, oh, I love the smell so much. So I was in love. I was in love. <laughs> um, so when you walk up, you're obviously greeted with a great field of lavender and there's an awesome store attached to where you can get uh, pretty much anything you can think of in lavender scent <laughs> in this store. And as you walk in, you're just hit with this great, great scent of lavender. Um, there's dried lavender on the walls. There's soap. There's lip balm. There's candles. Seriously, any kind of like home product that you're looking for that's lavender scented. It is here at Hood River Lavender. Oh, that the you mentioned that aroma walking into that building. It was uh, one of the highlights of the day, <laughs> just being in there. We talked to the manager, and she said, "We're like, what is it like to like be in this aroma of lavender all the time?" And she's like, "Oh, I can't smell it anymore. It's become so normal to me." And I felt a little sad about that. Um, but wow, what a treat though to be around lavender so much. So again, this is not prime time for lavender, but what she told us is that there was sort of this second growth of lavender coming off. So people come, they do the U-pick, they cut off all the little um, pieces of branches of lavender, and there's a second growth, the second bloom that is not quite as large as the first one. So when you look at it from afar, the fields still kind of look, you know, a little grayish, a little past their prime, but you walk up close and there's all these sort of fresh, smaller growth of lavender coming out of it. So we were able to still do another you pick uh, lavender. And the way they do it there is they give you a little a little purple zip tie and you can fit whatever you can fit in the zip tie is what you can take. Um, so you get basically these little tiny bundles of lavender that you can take home and hang upside down to dry or use for whatever purposes you wanna use lavender for. Uh, a really cool just stop to stop off, get some good smells, get some good sights, go home with a little bit of lavender. Exactly. And I, I have dried lavender all over my, my apartment. So I highly recommend that. <laughs> and we cannot not talk about the farm cat at the lavender farm, aka oh. Pino, the farm cat, the lavender cat. Mm -hmm. So friendly, just kind of roams around, wants to be pet. Super sweet. <laughs> Yeah, and that's Pinot, P-I-N-O-T, as in Pinot Noir, because next to the lavender farm owned by the same family is a winery. So this is a, a nice wine-themed cat that happens to, apparently, at least in the day we were there, prefer the lavender side of things. Uh, he <laughs> greeted us in the store, very fluffy, very friendly, uh, and wandered around the fields with us. I love, <laughs> I love all the animal friends we made on this journey. <laughs> we made a lot of animal friends. <laughs> After we hit up Hood River Lavender, first off, the car was smelling great for the rest of the trip because it was filled oh, yeah. with lavender. <laughs> um, but afterwards, the next stop um, was Packer Orchard's 
bakery. Um, so Packer Orchards actually has two stops on the loop. One is specifically for the orchards, and then the other one is their bakery stand. Again, this was another place where you walk in and you're just you're hit with the smell of fresh mm-hmm. bread and cookies and pastries being baked. Oh my gosh. Overwhelming number of options here at the bakery. Oh, it was so good. We walked through the bakery and um, a woman who was working in the back was baking and just like wordlessly handed us a slice of jalapeno <laughs> cheddar bread, um, like each of us. And it was, we were like, oh yes, thank you so much. <laughs> we would love to. Uh, it was wonderful. It was sort of this nice fluffy bread. We walked away with a loaf of rosemary garlic bread with like slices of roasted garlic baked inside. So good. Just so good. Yes. And then other options there that really stuck out to me, there were different varieties of sweet empanadas. Mm -hmm. There was like a Marionberry empanada. That was the one that specifically stuck out to me. And then they had varieties of cinnamon rolls. I think about like 10 different types of like pretty large cookies for anything from like s'mores to the classic chocolate chip to a pumpkin chocolate chip. And then they also had like ice cream, a dozen different (laughs) options of ice cream flavors too. I think they also featured a fresh peach milkshake, uh, which I I love a peach milkshake, so I was excited about that. Um, (laughs) Fresh fudge, too. Uh, Your sweet tooth will be fulfilled here at the Packer Bakery. (laughs) (laughs) Vicky, I love that you clocked, like, literally every sweet treat at this place. (laughs) I love a sweet treat, okay? This is... I was really excited about this one. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Additionally, they have a lot of canned goods, um, so pickles... Pickled asparagus, pickled beets. I mean, all, all, all your pickled things they have there in addition to like honey, you know, candles, other things you might find in like a farm stand store. Exactly. Some like home good stuff up in the front mm-hmm. while the bakery was in like the back section of the building. Okay. So moving on, because we had our, uh, the sweet tooth was definitely fulfilled here at the bakery. The next stop we went to was Draper Girls Farm. And this is stop uh, number 14 on the list in order here. Draper Girls Farm also had a wide variety of things to experience. Uh, the first thing we kind of hit up was uh, the you pick options that were on the farm. Yeah, we actually got to go out with Teresa Draper, who is the owner of Draper Girls Country Farm. And um, she took it over from her parents and she helps, she runs it with the help of uh, her three daughters. So it's just this really cute family operation. And she went out with us into their apple orchards and showed us how to pick Honeycrisp apples off the tree, uh, which are now in season. And gosh, it was really cool experience. Um, again, I have not, I had not done that, that sort of picking an apple from the tree. And it was actually, it was harder to pick apples from the tree <laughs> than I thought. Like the method of pulling it off the branch was, was sort of tricky. Um, but she was showing us how this sort of this method of sort of twisting and pulling, um, and was just uh, super generous with her time. Yeah, I also did not realize that there was this method behind <laughs> apple pick. I thought it was just like, you know, you just pluck it off the tree. But no, it was like twist, twist, twist. I kind of wish yeah. we had the sound of it right now. But um, <laughs> you just twist it and pull and then boop, there you go. It took a few tries for us to like mm-hmm. get the technique down. Yeah. Um, so 
we picked like a bucket full. Like a small bucket. And it was mostly my partner, Sadie, who was with us on this shoot. She she did most of the apple picking and we did lots of filming and taking pictures of her apple picking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, I filled a small bucket in just obviously a few minutes. Um, and I have to tell you, we, we took those apples home and cut them up with some honey for Rosh Hashanah, which was just a few days later. And uh, gosh, those fresh Honeycrisp apples were so good. So good. I'm sure. Ugh. So after you go and do the U-Pick, you go inside to pay. Inside, they have a great shop with more fruit that's already been picked, along with um, other goodies. And they also have some great options of more cider, our second cider mm-hmm. stop here. And um, <laughs> it was great because they have little, like, tiny, tiny tasters of everything that they have on tap, but like tiny cups just to get like a little sip, uh, which was perfect for us. And uh, I really enjoyed the cider there. There, there was one that was like, oh, yeah. was it a, a peach pie flavor? Was that right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it had like cinnamon cloves. Yeah, it was the perfect mix. Like it literally tasted like you're taking a bite of pie or something and just in cider form. Uh, But Mm -hmm. again, they had a really great variety of different types of cider. Did you have a favorite, Jamie? Yeah, there was like a a pear cider that was really light and crisp, almost sort of like a champagne, Um, really subtle. Something about it was just, um, it really did it for me. I don't know. Didn't hit you over the head with a lot of weird flavors. It was just like a nice crisp pear and apple cider. And I love that. But of course, we we would be remiss not to talk about the sort of non-produce options at Draper Farms. <laughs> um, one of the big attractions, one of the things we were really excited about was this uh, small herd of goats. Yes, the goats. Um, and so when you're in the store checking out, there's a sign that says like five bucks for um, a bag of like goat feed. So you can buy mm-hmm. that inside and then you walk around the corner First off, you're hit with a view of Mount Hood that smacks you in the face. And so that's awesome. And then you walk around the corner and you see the goats. There must have been like four or five in the pin. Mm -hmm. And oh my gosh, they see you walking up with that bag (laughs) in your hand. They run up to the fence and like start headbutting the fence because they know what's coming. Mm hmm. They're super friendly and so, so cute. I love little baby goats. Um, And you can just put your hand out with the feed and they'll just like take it right out of your hand nice and gently. Oh, yeah. They were so cute. They were They all had names and I don't remember any of their names, but that's something you can um, learn about the goats and call them by name if you want. I feel like I really got to know those goats uh, in like the few (laughs) minutes we had. We really, we established a connection with the goats. There is one goat that's like off to the side. The only one whose name I remember is this one. His name is Flash and he has his own separate pen. I don't think he gets along quite as well as the other goats do with each other. So he has his own special, special area. Um, Yeah. But, you know, they're all, they're all really friendly. We, I feel like we spent a good chunk of time with the goats. (laughs) <laughs> that oh, was yeah, great. absolutely. It's easy to spend a lot of time with the goats, um, you know, but don't neglect the apple picking as well or the rest of the fruit stand. There's also a swing there, a, a famous swing at that particular farm famous swing. where there's a view of Mount Hood behind the swing. So it's kind of a thing where like you can get a picture of yourself swinging with Mount Hood or you could face the mountain and swing that way. Um, mm-hmm. Something a lot of people like to do as well. Exactly. Exactly. Our fifth and final stop 
uh, on the Fruit Loop was Mount View Orchards, which also has a brewery and a winery there as well. And this was the perfect way to end out our trip because they also offered pizza there. Um, so oh, it was yeah. another place where you could go and do the you pick options, really large farm area and orchard. Um, but they also had a great indoor seating area where you can finish off your day with some lunch or dinner or whatever you are, whatever time of day you go. <laughs> Yeah, I love the pizza here. It's sort of like a wood fire pizza option. And they have like a pepperoni pizza and they have like, you know, I think a sausage or something like that. But honestly, the way to go is the pear pizza. Because again, we're on the Fruit Loop. Give me some of that fruit on that pizza. Um, and that those fresh pears on the wood fire pizza. God, Vicky, that was so, so good. Uh, and that was I, at that point, I was like really, really craving something to eat. And it was perfect. I'm still thinking about that pear pizza. I'm pretty sure it had like pears and then was it blue cheese that was on it as well, I think? I think so. Yeah. And the the mix of that, like normally I'm not a blue cheese fan, but it was just the perfect amount and it complemented the pears so well. And uh, I was also very hungry. So <laughs> it was the perfect <laughs> timing there um, where we were in the Fruit Loop and then in the day. It was... So tasty. They also had like homemade sodas. Obviously, it's a brewery and they a winery mm -hmm. as well. So like, you know, try out the beer and the wine. But also, if you're not looking to drink any alcohol, the, <laughs> the homemade root beer and the cream soda, those are your options. Really great. Absolutely. Uh, after we ate our pizza and drank our house-made sodas, they also have orchards there. You pick orchards. Um, we kind of done the you pick, felt like we were past that. Um, we took a quick stop to check out Carlos the Steer, who is another animal friend there. Um, he was a little too busy eating to pay us any mind. <laughs> so we didn't have a lot of time with Carlos, um, but we definitely got to um, see him from afar. And as we were walking back, uh, we noticed there was this uh, field of dahlias that was sort of at the end of its season. So they had a, a sale for you could get 15 you pick dahlias for $10. And Sadie said, well, what if we got like three bunches, one for each of our respective homes, um, which I thought was a great idea. So she went out into the field and picked 15 dahlias and made three little, you know, bouquets for each of us. And it was such, I think, a, a nice way to end the day um, and ensure that we all had something that we were going home with. Yep, and my bouquet of dahlias is right on my counter right now in a vase and still doing great. Uh, brings me joy to see it every single time I walk into my kitchen. Uh, it was awesome. Other things that they had, because uh, fall is now in full swing at these farms, uh, they had like a pumpkin patch area too. Um, and they, you know, there's also like areas for kids. This is definitely like a family friendly activity, a uh, little swing set area, and then um, more fruit and veggies that were picked uh, in the farm stand area as well. Yeah. So, I mean, we finished our day coming home with strawberries, apples, pears, pluots, um, <laughs> some flowers, some bread, some lavender. But of course, those are just the things that were available at this point in the season. The cool thing about the Fruit Loop is if you go 
earlier in the spring or later in the fall, there's different stuff available at different times of year. And that is something we're going to talk about on the second half of today's episode. But before we get there, we're going to take just a quick break. All right, we are back talking about the Hood River Fruit Loop. And uh, we just kind of went through our our itinerary, our day that we've been out there on the first day of fall. But of course, there's so many different times of year to go to the Fruit Loop, so many different kinds of things you can get depending on when you're there. And Vicky, one of the things I love about the people who run the Hood River Fruit Loop marketing is they have this really nice chart. Uh, that has on one axis the months of the year and then another axis all of the fruits and produce available. And you can kind of see, oh, if I want pears, here are the times of year I can get them. Or if I want pumpkins, here's when I can go to get those too. So I thought it might be helpful for folks to talk a little bit about when you can get different kinds of produce at the Fruit Loop. Totally, totally. And this is also something that it kind of depends on what the wintertime was Mm -hmm. like because... I think almost every stand and farm owner we talked to mentioned how crazy of a winter it was and that like at some point in April there was a foot and a half of snow at their farm. So everything was had like a later start to it. In a typical uh, season, strawberries, cherries, raspberries, blueberries, that's all kind of happening in more of like mid-June to like July times. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. summer is a great time for picking all of those berries. Yeah, berry is sort of your first season at the, at the Fruit Loop. Starting kind of early June is when you get the strawberries coming in. Uh, again, of course, we got strawberries <laughs> into late September, so who knows? Um, but that's kind of your, yeah. your first your first flush is when if you want your berries, you want your cherries, your apricots. Um, you know, that's that's kind of your your first your first go there in the sort of your your main chunk of summer. And then as you go on, so specifically talking about lavender, which I think a lot of people go to the Fruit Loop to like wander through these lavender fields, mm-hmm. which again was a big draw for me. And I feel like there's these iconic photos um, on the Fruit Loop specifically, uh, people like walking through the lavender fields and the mountain view is in the background. And that specific time of year happens more um, like strictly kind of July, early August time, or at least this year when we were talking to the lavender farm people. Um, so yeah, it's definitely like dead middle of summertime is when you want to go to get like the lavender in the full color, that bright purple with the bushes just like really full. Absolutely. And once you're kind of getting into your second half of summer, your August through the first few weeks of September, you're looking at not just lavender, but also, of course, tomatoes. Typically, Um, some apples uh, are going to start coming up this time of year. Uh, Corn, of course. Uh, Bartlett pears, mm-hmm. and of course, you got your peaches in the second half of summer as well. Um, I love peach season. I love plum season. I'm a big fan of pluots, which is a cross between a Japanese plum and an apricot. Um, they've got all kinds of varieties of those. So really all kinds of stuff when you're kind of looking into your stone fruit, um, the second half of summer is, is your time for that. Exactly. And then um, as keep going uh and obviously the time that we went which was first day of fall that's when you get the pears the apples the pumpkins all of the great traditional fall fruits will be happening at that 
time. Also, just like the different variations of the different pears and apples, you can kind of look and um, you'll see on different like calendars of farms, they'll, they'll tell you when certain ones are ready for harvest. Yeah, that's a great way to do it too. And this is also, of course, your nut season. Uh, the people who run the Fruit Loop talk about chestnuts. Um, I know that that's sort of the same time of year that uh, hazelnut farms, if there are hazelnut farms in that area, will also have uh, those available. Um, any sort of like, you know, other types of gourds or squashes get that kind of stuff too, right in time for either Halloween or Thanksgiving or hold them over for mm-hmm. even the winter. One other thing that I will mention is that I liked the Fruit Loop so much. I did it twice <laughs> in the span of like two days, two or three days. I did it twice because um, I went with my partner and his sister who was in town visiting. So um, when Jamie and I went, uh, we went on a Thursday because we're lucky enough to do this uh, for work. So we went on a Thursday and we had most of these places to ourselves. Yeah. It was really nice. <laughs> like It was so, so nice. Literally to ourselves. I mean, no <laughs> one else around. I think we had, we saw another crowd of people once at the Lavender Farm um, mm-hmm. who were ahead of us. We waited like two minutes for them to, to pass through, but really had the entire place to ourselves. Vicky, as I understand, different experience when you went in the weekend. It was an entirely different experience <laughs> when we went on a Saturday. Oh my goodness. So the crowds were there. The crowds <laughs> were very much there. Um, you know, we went to some, uh, the first stop, we kind of, it was around like, I would say like 2 or 3 p.m. So we thought like, oh, maybe the crowds are dissipated. And uh, especially when getting food, like it's past the peak lunchtime. Oh, no, we were quoted like an hour and a half wait to get lunch. um, And there were crowds at pretty much every stop we went to. So I would highly recommend if you are able to go on a random weekday, uh, do that, beat the crowds you know, have this little slice of heaven to yourself just walking through these orchards. <laughs> it's really lovely if you go on a weekday. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, it's treat it like you're going to a, a busy trailhead um, and just go on on a weekday. And speaking of trailheads, of course, we would be remiss here again not to talk about some outdoor recreation options here because the Fruit Loop is obviously between Hood River and Mount Hood. You know there's some good outdoor options there for folks who want to get out on the trail. And Vicki, the, the first one we want to talk about, there's a couple here. Uh, the first one is one of my personal favorite hikes and um, a place I understand that you've been to recently as well. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is Tamanawas Falls. Did I pronounce it correctly? I say Tamanawas Falls. Tamanawas Falls. But, now I've got it. <laughs> this is a word that comes from um, the Chinookan language, the trade language used by the indigenous communities who um, originally populated this area. Um, so this is a, a word that obviously um, we both may be pronouncing incorrectly, but this is my understanding of the pronunciation is Tamanawas Falls. It's a, a beautiful, beautiful waterfall hike on that eastern side of Mount Hood. Um, it's about three and a half miles out and back, and it, it's pretty easy hike for most of it. Uh, it's pretty flat. There's a little bit of sort mm-hmm. of a rockier, like, you know, I don't know if you can call it a scramble, but like definitely a field of rocks to pick through at the very end. Yeah. But the reward is a 110 foot 
waterfall in this like beautiful little amphitheater there um, pouring off the cliffs. It's just incredible. Yeah, it is really spectacular. I just went like a few weeks ago on a really nice, beautiful, sunny day. And yeah, you're walking through the forest for a good portion, get to that rocky part, get the heart rate up a little bit, but it totally pays off for that ending at the falls. And um, we we ended up just like sitting on the rocky area, just like staring at the waterfall for a good bit. It is so peaceful. And then I think we saw some people like, going up behind the waterfall. I don't know if I recommend that, but it it is quite spectacular, quite beautiful. Yeah, definitely um, second to that, not recommending climbing up the rocks. People do it. I see people do it all the time. You know, I've gone to people who have gone up there and done it, and I've said, suit yourself. I do not recommend it. (laughs) Um, That's a place where you do not want to be if those rocks slide. Um, And, uh, you know, you can get a perfectly beautiful wonderful look from below um and and i you know bring a lunch um hike up there find somewhere to sit and just enjoy the scenery exactly here on peak northwest we encourage safety that's safety right went out in the wilderness <laughs> that's right so jamie what other options do we have um for hikes in this kind of general area well there are of course so many um the one other one i wanted to highlight is another sort of famous hike on this side of the mountain it's the cooper spur hike uh which we uh may have mentioned in our story about the north side of mount hood this is found really pretty close to tamanawas falls um, but you kind of have to go up the slopes of the mountain a little bit more Um, We're kind of at the very tail end of the season to do this hike because it is so high up there. Um, So, you know, once you start getting the snows coming back in the mountain, this is not a hike to do. But if it stays nice and dry um, or for maybe next summer, check out Cooper Spur. It's um, a little bit more of a challenging hike than Tamanawas Falls. It's about seven miles round trip. Um, it's not like a, the most difficult hike on the mountain, but it's, it's definitely, you know, probably a little bit of a moderate to moderately difficult hike. You go up to a point about 8,500 feet above sea level, uh, as the high point of this hike really kind of right up into the mountain, a beautiful, beautiful place to go and see some, you know, a forest, some wildflowers, some rockier terrain, get a look at some glaciers up close, which is a really cool opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, folks who do a little bit more adventurous mountaineering can do more beyond that but if you're just looking to hike um, i think any uh, moderately experienced hiker can enjoy the views and the terrain there at cooper spur yeah so there are definitely a lot of different hikes in this area so if you have multiple days when you're staying and you want to do not only the fruit loop but get outside go for some hiking uh definitely recommend spending just a handful of days a couple two or three and you can you can do it all you can do it all but you know what, Vicky? For me, the Fruit Loop was the big attraction of this trip. I love the Fruit Loop, and I am excited to go back and check it out on a weekday, preferably uh, at different times of year. I missed berry season this year, so I feel like I got to go back first half of summer and get the berries next year. But for what we got out of this trip, I, I have to say I am um, extremely impressed and very pleased. Yes, I will be back and I will try to hit up a few of the stands that we missed this time around as well. 
That's right. But for now, we are going to wrap things up. So until next time, you can watch our videos on the Oregonians YouTube channel and view all of our travel and outdoors coverage on OregonLive.com slash travel, as well as HereIsOregon.com. Please leave us a rating or review if you enjoy the show. And if you want to support this podcast and our local journalism, please consider a subscription to Oregon Live. You can find details at OregonLive.com slash pod support. Also, if you're a fan of the show and are interested in potentially sponsoring it, you can get in touch with our marketing people at advertise at Oregonian.com. This episode of the show was produced by me, Vicki Connor, alongside Jamie Hale and Andrew Thien. Stay safe and happy travels, everyone. Until next time, we leave you with this 10 seconds of Zen. Like the sound of like biting into an apple or something. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) The twist and pull. The the twist and pull.